Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, indeed, all glory and honor belongs to you. You are holy, you are righteous, you are just. You are love and grace and generosity. We approach you by Christ's blood. Lord, hear our petition. The needs gathered in this room are innumerable today. You know each and every one. You alone have the ability and interest to minister to all. Father, among us there are health problems. I pray that you would bring healing, that you would bring strength, even when medicines and medical expertise fails. There are relationships in this room today that are struggling, that may even be on the rocks. I pray that your Spirit would intervene. Lord, restore and heal. There are heartaches among us today. We pray for your comfort. We pray that you would liberate our minds from the torment. There are doubts and fears among us right now. We pray that you would give assurance and strength that would enable us to trust you. Father, there are those among us today who do not know you as Savior, who do not follow you as Lord. Make today the day of salvation. Show them their need and their only hope in Christ. We pray that you would break their hearts over sin and that you would lead them to repentance. That you would give new life, eternal life, that comes only by Christ's resurrection. Now bless this time together. We pray that you would speak to us from your word that you would confront us where we are, that you would convince us of our great need for you, that you would convict us, and that you would change us and conform us to the image of Christ. This we pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 121. By the way, I love that... um, We will wait for the Lord, Psalm 130. I don't know if I would have gotten through last spring had it not been for Psalm 130 and that song. Uh, God ministered to my soul in a great way in some long, dark days uh, from that psalm. And that's one of the reasons that we've been studying through the psalms of late, believing that given the condition of our world and some of the experiences that we've all encountered in recent months, that we need what God offers us in these hymns that He has inspired. Psalm 121. It's an incredible psalm. It was probably written in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Generally, Hezekiah was a good king. In fact, I want to uh, just read this morning 
a section of Scripture. In fact, we may look at a couple of sections that give us some understanding of the context of what is taking place here. But I want to read to you from 2 Kings chapter 18. It tells us a little bit about who Hezekiah is. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, the king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Ebi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places, that is the places where idols were set up, and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Now imagine that, the bronze serpent that Moses made when the children of Israel were plagued by the fiery serpents and they were dying at, uh, because of the bites of these serpents. And God instructed them to make this bronze serpent on a pole that they placed in the middle of the camp. And he said, if anyone is bitten, they should look at this and healing would come. Israel took that simple instruction and provision by God, and they turned that into an idol. They began to worship it instead of the God who brought about the healing. And so Hezekiah broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so there were was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him wherever he went out. He prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria. That's important. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and his territory from watchtower to fortified city. Hezekiah was a man who trusted God. That was a little bit of a rarity for these kings, whether it be kings of Israel or kings of Judah. In fact, this caused him to stand out. This hymn, this 121st Psalm, addresses a particular situation going on in Hezekiah's life, a precarious situation. And I want us to consider that this morning. We're going to think a little bit about the context, the scene behind the scene, if you will. There are three things I want to point out to you from this passage this morning that are important for our understanding. The first begins with this idea. We are all going to face uncertain times and hostile forces. Uncertain times and hostile forces are common to each and every one of us. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Now, when I read that phrase, it's very easy for us to jump to a conclusion here that he's simply sitting on his back patio, looking around, taking in the landscape, right? I love to visit my mom and dad's home. They live in the what is called the Conahita Valley of Western North Carolina. And their house is strategically placed on this nice hill out there at the end of the valley. And sitting on the back 
patio, the back porch of that home. You can sit and just drink in the mountains surrounding the area. It's a peaceful sight, one that I've always enjoyed and continue to. Was Hezekiah sitting on the terrace admiring his kingdom? Was Hezekiah just simply enjoying the scenery? Was he content? Was he blessed? Was he glad? You know, like you sitting on your patio these cooler days, enjoying the evenings, listening to the crickets, the nightlife springing forth. Maybe sitting around a campfire, gazing into those wonderful coals and flames and just drifting away, enjoying the peace and contentment. Maybe it's sitting at the beach and looking out over the rolling waves. You know, those places you like to go where you can just exhale. Is that what Hezekiah is doing here? No, it's not. That's not at all what's happening. Hezekiah is facing difficulties, and he's looking for help. He's looking at the surrounding hills around Jerusalem, wondering... Who's going to help? Why? Well, if we look in Isaiah chapter 36, Isaiah chapter 36, you hold your place there in Psalm. We'll be back there in just a moment. In Isaiah chapter 36, we find out what was going on. Verse verse 1 of chapter 36 says, In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army. What's going on for Hezekiah is that he's sitting in the palace and he's looking and all around the city, these mountains surround Uh, 360 degrees around Jerusalem, and on those hills, Assyria has gathered. They have gathered like ants running across the tops of those hills, and they are preparing to descend upon Jerusalem and swallow it up, just as they had done Samaria in the northern kingdom before this. Assyria is the new bully on the block. They are powerful and aggressive. They had moved against the northern kingdom around 740 B.C. And 18 years later, 722 B.C., the sixth year of Hezekiah's reign, I'm sorry, the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, they captured Samaria, the capital, and they took the best and brightest Israelites back to Assyria. Isaiah 36 gives us insight into the context for Psalm 121. That's what's happening when Hezekiah says, I'm looking to the hills. He's not looking to the hills for help to come. He's looking to the hills and seeing the enemy surrounding him, ready to swoop down and take all of Jerusalem just as they had the northern kingdom and Samaria. He says later, In this chapter, verses 4, the Rabshakeh said to them, Say to Hezekiah, here's the message you carry back to your king. Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you rest this trust of yours? Now what had happened? The Assyrians were a bully. And so what they did was they extorted tribute 
from other people to keep from attacking them. And so he had sent a message to Hezekiah and said, You owe me, you owe me protection money. If you pay me, you've seen what I've done to these other fortified cities in Judah. If you do not pay me, I'm going to make you regret it. And Hezekiah said, uh, we're not going to do that. And so he sends the message here, and he's saying, why would you do something as stupid as this? Who are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in Egypt? Are you aligning with Egypt? you think they're going to protect you? Look, they're past their prime. They're a shell of their former selves. They can't protect you. Oh, and Hezekiah. You tell Hezekiah, it's not going to work for him to tell us he's trusting his God. Who is his God? Who's in charge down here? We are in charge. If you want to look to help from the gods, maybe you should look to our gods, right? This is the message that was carried to Hezekiah. Now, it's one thing for that message to come across the wire. It's one thing for that message to come through the mail. It's one thing for that to come across the telephone, right? But when the man has got all of his troops deployed surrounding your city, you can see their campfires at night, and you know they're poised and they're just waiting for the signal, it takes on a different meaning altogether, does it not? Can you relate to Hezekiah's dilemma? What's going on in your life? Where are the enemies assembling in your life? Maybe it's having something to do with your health. Maybe there aren't seeming to be any answers for what is bothering you, ailing you. You don't know how to wriggle out of this. You don't know where to find help. It feels hopeless. The enemy seems poised to strike and to win. Maybe it's your marriage. Your marriage has become dysfunctional. And there don't seem to be any answers. You both want it to work, but you just seem to be stuck in the dysfunction and the brokenness. Maybe it's your child or your children that are tottering out there on something that's precarious. And you're worried. You're concerned, but you don't know where to find the answers. Is it your career? Is it a particular temptation. Maybe it's just life in general. We live in uncertain times. Hostile forces are everywhere. And they're surrounding you. All you see are obstacles, disappointments, threats, and enemies. It seems hopeless. But he says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You have no answers. You have no power. Hezekiah wanted to do the right thing. He's already demonstrated that. He wanted to honor God. He's demonstrated that. But he only saw uncertain times and hostile forces. Now Hezekiah had a good spiritual background, a good spiritual foundation. And we see that in his action. What does he do? He does what every good follower of Christ should do continually. He preaches the gospel to himself. 
in uncertain times, when hostile forces are gathered around, or when the sun's out and it's a beautiful day and things are going just the way you want them to, we should be preaching the gospel to ourselves. He says, my help comes from the Lord, who, by the way, made heaven and earth. He made it all, including the Assyrians, including those things that have turned into hostile forces in my life. It is Yahweh alone who can and will help me. He is almighty. He is sovereign. Now, we're quick to employ these wonderful platitudes, aren't we? We talk about them all together. You know, you've encountered people here at church, and they'll say, How are things going? Well, it's not going very well, but you know, my faith's strong. I'm hanging in there with the Lord. He's going to deliver me. And then you walk out the door, and disbelief, unbelief, faithlessness sets in, doesn't it? When you're at home alone, you see the enemy gathering, and you think, There is no hope. There is no help coming. How do you preach the gospel to yourself in these uncertain times with hostile forces at every hand? Do you really believe what you say you believe? Can you really rest in them? Can you lean into God's provision and His faithfulness? We Preach the gospel to ourselves that our heart may follow after the words. Yahweh is my help. Yahweh is my hope. Those who belong to Him have a sure deliverer. They have a defender. Those who lean into Him experience His power. And there's none equal to Him. He spoke all this into being after all. Did He not? He has made everything. In fact, the Assyrians are carrying out what they're doing because God has ordained it. 1 Chronicles 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 23 through 26, say that God raised up Assyria to bring what? To discipline His own people because they had proven to be faithless. They had broken faith with God. And God said, I'll raise up someone who will bring Discipline to bear, to get you to turn back to me in the way that you should. Hear God's message to Hezekiah. Isaiah chapter 37. Verse 21 through 29. Hezekiah prays for deliverance. He turns to the Lord and he prays. He takes the letter that has come from, from the hand of Sennacherib and he lays it out prostrate before the Lord. And he says, Lord, you see what the enemy says. The enemy is mocking you. It's not about our safety. It's your name, your glory, your righteousness. And he lays it before the Lord. Then Isaiah, verse 21, says, The son of Amos sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you. She scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. He's talking about his people. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? 
against the Holy One of Israel. By your servants you have mocked the Lord, and you have said, With my many chariots I have gone up the heights of the mountains, to the far recesses of Lebanon, to cut down its tallest cedars, its choice cypresses, to come to its remotest height, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank waters to dry up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? This is God speaking now to Sennacherib. He says, have you not heard that all the only reason you're doing what you're doing is because I've decreed it? I've raised you up for this season and for this moment. I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass. That you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded, and have become like plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before it's grown. I know you're sitting down and you're going out and coming in, and you're raging against me because you have raged against me, and your complacency has come to my ears. I will put my hook in your nose. And my bit in your mouth. And I will turn you back on the way by which you came. Now that's quite an answer to prayer, isn't it? Lord, the enemies have surrounded me. These enemies who are mocking you. These enemies have come to destroy your name. To defame you. And God says, Hezekiah, I'm... I'm appreciative that you've reached out to me. It shows me where your loyalty is. It shows me where your priorities are. It shows me where your trust is placed, that your trust is in me, not in armies, allies such as Egypt or anyone else, not in your own armies or ability to defend yourself, but in me. And just because of that, listen, here's what I'm sending to Sennacherib. Here's the letter I'm dictating that will go to Sennacherib. Sir, you are nobody. This world doesn't need you. This world doesn't belong to you. I made you from the dust of the ground. And when I am done with you, I will eviscerate you. Because I am God over all things. It is Yahweh alone who protects and preserves His people. When we encounter weariness, he says, I'll not let your foot slip or be moved. When you grow weary and can't go on, you can sleep, but I never slumber. I will watch over you and care for you. Many think that there are two voices in this hymn, that verses 1 and 2 are the voice of Hezekiah as he's acknowledging the issue, and he's praying to God. It's first person singular. Verses 3 through 8 is third person singular, making everyone believe that there's another voice here and that this is the voice of Isaiah who is affirming Hezekiah's prayer and dependence upon God. Oh, he says, you're exactly right, Hezekiah. You got this right. God affirms your prayer. He says, I'm not going to let you slip. I'm not going to let you go down while you slumber when you're weary. I, the Lord, am your keeper. I am your shade on your right hand. The king had defied Assyria. And those who defied Assyria 
well, things didn't end very well for them typically. Vengeance could come swiftly and ruthlessly. They were a brutal and savage bunch. Isaiah desires for the Lord to keep the king's feet from slipping. Yahweh also knows how easy it is for people to grow weary, to become lethargic, to become unwilling to press on and fight. But he says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. In fact, He will be your shade on your right hand. Now, I puzzled over this. I'm thinking, what is He saying here? Well, the right hand was the sword hand. This is the, the hand with which He defends Himself. And the Lord is saying, essentially, I give shelter to your hand. I'm going to assure that your hand that you use to defend yourself is kept unencumbered so that you can go on about your business, that you can do what you need to do in this situation. Not only that, but when you give shade to something, it implies that you're pretty close to it, right? You have to be close to it to give shade. And so he's in God's shade. God is near. God is providing. God is promising His protection. This is not just your fight, Hezekiah, but I will fight on your behalf. He keeps a watchful eye on the enemy and guards our path. He is strong. He is powerful, able for every need. John Phillips said that every star, every galaxy, every burning orb in space is an object lesson in sheer physical energy. Our sun is classified as a moderate star, just moderate. There are, there are stars out there that are huge compared to our sun. It has a diameter, a diameter of 864,000 miles. Just to give you some perspective, our globe is circumference is 24,000. A puny 24,000. The diameter of the sun, 864,000 miles. And it's all gas. Two billion, billion, billion tons of gas over every square inch of the core, a crushing weight of one million pounds of matter presses downward. The only thing that keeps the sun's core from collapsing is energy. Inconceivable floods of energy that raise the sun's internal temperature to 25 million degrees. Consuming 657 million tons of hydrogen each second. The sun can endure, can continue burning for another 50 million years. That's just one moderate star in a creation filled with millions upon millions. The amount of energy put out by all those stars is incalculable. And yet, God created it. Now, I would just venture a thought here today. A God who can create such energy with a thought or a word hardly needs an afternoon nap. Right? So when he says, I don't sleep, I don't slumber, I think he means what he says. He is a keeper. He is protector. He is strength and energy. And he faithfully sustains and provides the Lord Guards the right hand. The Lord guards your feet. 
The Lord ensured that he would have all that he needed. Now we see, we see here that the Lord is faithful. He says six times he uses this word keep. Keep. I am your keeper. I will keep. It, it's, it's a word that means to guard. It means to fortify. It means to protect perfectly. He is the one who does the keeping. No matter what the enemy is. No matter how, how intimidating the enemy may appear. The Lord will keep. And He says He will keep your going out and your coming in. He guards and defends everything. There's nothing too great for His power. Nothing that threatens God's ability to defend and protect. There's nowhere you can go that the Lord is not nearby. We live in a broken world. A severely broken world. We see more and more evidence every day. We're recognizing it every day. I don't know if it's God is pulling the scales or the blinders back from our eyes to show us what He's been seeing all along. It's what it certainly seems to be. There are threats and hardships everywhere. You know what they are. It, COVID, we're all tired of hearing about COVID, and yet it won't go away. There's uh, the cancer, and there's corruption, and there's cancel culture. There's emotional wounds, there's disappointments, there's fractured relationships. You cannot avoid uncertain times or hostile forces in this world. But Satan is our ultimate enemy. He wants your soul. He has claims on your soul because of sin's bondage. Everywhere you look, the hills are filled with enemies. They surround us, just like they did Hezekiah that day as he looked out. Out the back window, out the side window of his palace there in Jerusalem, around the tops of those hills, he could see the enemy had gathered. And he was getting ready to go down. But you know, God honored what he said. He came back and he, he deployed, he deployed defense and aggression against Sennacherib. The scripture says that God sent one of his angels down who killed 185,000 of Sennacherib's troops overnight. You know what Sennacherib did? He ran like the coward that he was. He ran all the way back into hiding, and there his two sons killed him. You think God knows what he's doing? It all looks hopeless around us, just like with Hezekiah. The enemy is poised to obliterate you, but I want to tell you there's another hill. It's an ugly hill. There on that hill is a place of blood and gore. And there, God, the God who created all this, the God who promises His protection, condescended and went in the person of a man to the cross. And there He died to set us free from sin and from bondage and to give us hope. If you will but turn and repent of your sin and put your trust in Him... God will make you His own. 
He will set you free. And He will keep you from all enemies. He doesn't promise to remove you from the enemies, from the hostile forces, from the uncertain times. But He says, while you pass through this world, I will keep you. I will guard you. I will protect you. I will defend you. He is your faithful defender and victor from this time forth and forevermore. Don't be dismayed by the circumstances. Don't be fearful of your adversaries. Preach the gospel to yourself. My help comes from the God who created all heaven and earth. and He will bring us all the way home. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, what an incredible picture that we see in the example of this faithful king who aspired to do the right things, to glorify and honor you, and yet found himself, Lord, facing, facing the intimidating enemy, the prospects of destruction, and Lord, of losing those whom he had a charge to protect himself the nation of Judah. We're grateful that, Lord, You're not a God of platitudes, but You're a God of power and action. That You're a God who stands firmly before His own people and protects and guides. That You use all circumstances, no matter how uncertain they may appear, to prosper Your own name before all men. We thank You, Lord, today for the gospel. Well, the gospel is where our hope rests. And what Christ has done for us there on Calvary by laying down His own life, shedding His blood to atone for our sin. I pray in this moment, Lord, that we might turn from our own sin and self and put our hope and trust in You and You alone. And that, Lord, you will affirm that faith, that trust, by instilling in us an even greater faith and trust to walk daily, Lord, leaning in to your provision, knowing that you're more than able, no matter what we face, more than able. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.